0: hello everyone welcome this is the must read alaska show the friday edition i'm your host james basden coming to you from our virtual studios somewhere in alaska hope you're having a great day we've got a lot of great news to talk about a lot of politics it's going to be a fun show hopefully we'll be entertaining and educational If you haven't visited our website recently, please go to the Must Read Alaska website. That's where you're going to find all the great content that Suzanne Downing puts out. There's some great podcasts that John Quick worked on this week. Lots of guests. Um, This is the place that you want to be if you want to help us keep the mainstream media on their toes. Mustreadalaska.com. We want to start off by, of course, thanking our sponsorship this week. And that is Charlie Pierce for Governor. Great sponsor for the show. Thank you again, Charlie Pierce, for governor. Now let's get the show started. First topic I want to talk about today is inflation and the effects it's having on all of us here in Alaska. I picked up on an article that was put out by Lucinda Mahoney. Uh, if you don't know who Lucinda Mahoney is, she's the commissioner of the Alaska Department of Revenue, and her article kind of sparked some conversations that I was having on local radio down here on Kenai here recently. And it's, it's talking about the CPI uh, and how it has increased over the last year. Uh, it's, it's greater than 8% is what everybody's using as a figure. And the CPI is the Consumer Price Index. So that's the cost of food and labor and supplies. And, of course, if you go to a fast food restaurant or you go to the grocery store, or you go to fill your car up, the typical Alaskan, uh, based on her article, is seeing about a $5,200 annual increase. So that's a tax you're paying. Um, So for those people, typically, especially middle class, lower middle class, this is where it's going to hit home the most. The problem that I have with first is the CPI and the way the federal government comes up with those numbers. The 8% number is a false number. If you go back into the 1980s, back whenever they kept the CPI back, and this would have been back during the Reagan years, it was all based on the same goods every time they would put the CPI together. So, example, if they looked at steak in January of 1980, they'd look at the price of steak also in January of 1981. So you would have comparison. Well, today it doesn't work that way. They'll go and they'll change their basket of goods to help them keep the number down low. So a lot of people, when I, when you hear ec- the economics of, of what's going on out there, a lot of people will tell you that the actual inflation number is probably twice as much as what they're saying. So instead of 8%, it's about 16%. And then if you think about interest rates, back in the day of the 80s, I can remember my first mortgage. My wife and I had a 12% mortgage on our first home back in the early 80s. Young people today don't understand how quick this is going to turn against them. You can also already see it in the housing market where the 30-year is going to 4 or 5% interest rate, and people are going to panic over that. Wait until it quickly by this year, end of this year hits 9 or 10%, and that's just the start of things. And this inflation, they used a term transitory to where they said it was only going to be temporary. I'm afraid that this is going to be with us a while, and it's going to take – it's going to take a lot to bring it back. It's going to take for us to open up our products and start producing, start producing oil and gas. We're going to have to start producing products in this country. Look, we're printing more money than we than we have goods, of course, and it's the inflation numbers are being propped up, of course, by the feds putting money out there to pay off their debt that they're holding, and it's going to continue to increase because there's no way that they're going to be able to bring the interest rates up to the level that they need to 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 catch up with this inflation number to balance this because they'll wreck the market so there's there's a lot of worry going on right now in this country and it's affecting our state and you bring that back to to our state and what's going on in Juneau now that we have increased barrel of oil to what 100 to 110 dollars a barrel right now and it's going to increase which is a positive for Alaskans because we make more money off that but what does that happen what does that affect Juno? Juno will spend more money this year they won't pay off the debt that they need to they won't pay off the loans that they have Uh, they won't they won't put money back into the CBR the way they should so they're going to spend more money and they're going to continue to battle over the permanent fund uh, and the amount that they want to give you and they're going to battle over the amount that they call whether they call it a PFD or they call it an energy refund and they need to get that that fixed to where they only only probably are doing about a 50-50 dividend uh, this year and next year but but those savings it needs to go back into our budget reserve we don't need to spend more than we have because when this thing tumbles, we're going to need to have savings to hopefully keep things in check over the next three or four years at a minimum. So inflation is a huge deal. Uh, the article that uh, the commissioner put out, I thought was interesting. And um, it's, it's a conversation that I'm having with many people down here. Even as I work uh, in local government down here, it's one of the issues that I that I'm seeing right now when it comes to cost of living increases, uh, dealing with employees. And and how are we going to, to have an effect to where we can help make employee, keep employees whole. But at the same time, we got to hurt taxpayers because we're going to have to take more money from taxpayers to do that. And, uh, that's going to be the double-edged sword of this. So at some point, what is going to be the tipping and the balancing point to, uh, to keep all this in play? Just my thoughts on inflation. Uh, I, uh, Again, my opinion, I hope that, uh, I hope I'm wrong on some of these things, but I'm afraid I'm going to be right over time. It's really good, really good article here on the must read Alaska website that one of, uh, one of the guest contributors, Bruce Campbell put out in his prediction for the top four in the congressional special election. If everybody remembers, we've got a special election coming up June 11th. There are 48 candidates running for the replacement of Don Young, and this will be for the temporary seat that uh, will expire uh, in January. Of those 48 candidates, uh, Bruce goes through a lot of numbers and figures on how he gets to how many people he think will will vote this year, and just kind of running through the article. Uh, again, Must Read Alaska, great place to go read it, but uh, he has uh he has it broken down pretty good on what he thinks the turnout will be this year. Uh, if, uh, if the mail-in ballot brings in 160,000 people to vote, uh, he expects 75,000 of those to, to roughly to be Republicans and about 25,000 Democrats. And then all the other party affiliates to fill in after that, uh, probably about 12,000 on the Alaska independence party. So based on his numbers and how he sees it falling out, he, his top four or five candidates, I'll read what he thinks will happen here. And, of course, um, this may, uh, uh, you may agree or, or disagree. Nick Begich, uh, he thinks could get about 28,000 candidates. Uh, he's the longest-running candidate right now. He's got a great number of volunteer endorsements. Um, Tara Sweeney, he's got roughly, and both of these are Republicans, um, he estimates about 26,000 votes. Uh, she has a strong rule vote. And she will draw some D's as well as an N's and some some U's to to her election. Sarah Palin, who's also running as a Republican, uh, 25,000 votes. uh, Very, very strong draw of the N's and U's and fewer uh, already committed Republicans. And Josh Rivak, um, he's going to get a lot of the uncommitted Republicans. Al Gross, the Democrat candidate, he doesn't think that he's going to make it into the top four. When I did my top four, I, I kind of thought that probably Al Gross would, would end up as one of the top four because he does have a lot of money, and the Democrats, I don't think they're going to split their votes as much as the other ones, so I think that he, would, he will, of course, get a lot of the Democrat vote, but um, if, if this falls out the way he, he expects it, uh, the top four could be all Republicans. Again, this is, this is interesting on how this jungle primary could, could work out because you get to the end of this primary and you got the four top candidates, you may not have a Democrat or you may not have an Alaska Independence Party who are, who are major party candidates too. So that's kind of that's interesting to me. So for all those people who supported, the 50% of the people who supported this, this new ranked choice voting system that we got, there's going to be parties once we get through the primary and into the general election there's going to be parties that aren't going to be represented. So I don't know if they thought this through as well as they should have. Um, if I was one of those parties, that would upset me that I'm not going to have anybody in the general election. But uh, you know what? Sometimes uh, payback is as hell when it comes to these elections and what we, what we voted for. And uh, this is going to be the first time that we see how ranked choice voting falls out June 11th. Uh, it'll be interesting. We'll We'll have some more numbers, uh, coming your way. Uh, but again, if you haven't had a chance, go to the must read Alaska website, read Bruce Campbell's, uh, article, great article, fun. He's got a lot of good, good data in here. I enjoyed it. And I think you will too. So one of the stories that I continue to follow is the Elon Musk and the Twitter takeover and where, where we're at now with, with watching, the back and forth and the legal issues and the financing that's going to take place Uh, but this is one i i'm rooting for for elon musk i hope that uh that he can have some positive changes when it comes to social media and we get that openness again to where you can hear both sides of it he he made a comment this week that stated you know what if if the 10% 10% on a far right or 10% on the far left are mad at you because you're allowing things to stand on social media. You're probably in the right place. And, and I agree with that. Um, it does look like he has secured funding um, for the, for the bid for the takeover that he's submitted, the $46.5 billion he has secured from three different sources, uh, 13 billion from Morgan Stanley, 12 a half billion from other banks. And then 21 billion dollars from his from his own account, uh, which must be nice. Uh, he uh, he's working on it really hard. He made some he made some comments on Twitter, and I haven't been on Twitter in a while, but I am back on Twitter because I set my camera up just so I can watch what he's doing. Uh, he says, "If our Twitter bid succeeds, we will defeat the spam bots or die trying." Which uh, of course, that's one of the things that hurts social media is the amount of uh, bots that they have on there that can attack uh, attack the tweets and and also he wants to authenticate and make sure that really it's it's humans that are that are making the tweets and and he wants to he wants to deal with the with the software programming behind it he wants to make sure that again if you if you've got thirty thousand followers and all of a sudden you you get hit because you're not saying the right things and they fix it to where only 100 people are getting to see your tweets, well, then something is wrong with the company. The company is suppressing your free speech. And he wants to make sure the software is open and everybody can see what's taking place. So I applaud him for that. But, uh, hey, he's still got a long way to go. The company has threatened what they call a poison pill to, will, to where they will give, if, if he if he buys more than 15% of the company, they will dilute the shares by giving... More shares at a cheaper price to those who are already own it to try to hurt him. So you can tell this is a fight. I continue to watch it because I think social media is a platform that uh, uh, it's a love hate platform for me. You've got to have it if you're going to be in this type of business or if you're going to uh, be in politics. And that's the thing they they controlled. They really controlled the outcome probably of some of the elections uh, by suppress suppressing information. And not letting the right information get out there that people had that was that was truth and uh of course that's why we have these other platforms that are being developed because uh, whether it's google or facebook or twitter they've all kind of been in control of what we can say even today we have to worry about uh, on a podcast such as such as this you know we, we're reporting what other people are putting out there and uh who knows they could basically censor us and 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 bring it down to where maybe not many people are seeing, seeing our podcast, which hurts us. So it's, it's an important issue uh, if you're in the industry and I hope Elon Musk can continue to be, uh, to be on top of moving forward to, to make this better. And I'm going to continue to watch. So is it just me or did president Biden have another bad week? It looks like he's struggling again, cognitively. He seems to continue to, speak about things that that are off off topic Uh, some examples was earlier in the week of course during easter uh, he was in front of a crowd and he got he got off subject talking about afghanistan and one of his staffers was in a bunny costume that had to come over and get him and get his attention and move him away from the crowd and everybody saw the footage of that Uh, there was also footage of him and his wife jill biting uh, sitting down in front of a bunch of children to read a book and he got through one page of it but it was just it was kind of sad to watch because you could see the interactions that she had to have with him because they're all scared to death that he's going to he's going to get off topic and talk about things that uh, he shouldn't and they, they have to come out every day now with something that they have to correct um, he was at an event in north carolina on stage to where when he got done speaking He turned from the podium and was shaking hands with with nobody was there. It was very strange to watch. And then he turned around towards the flag, very confused. And any of us that have family members that have dealt dealt with this, uh, whether, you know, grandparents or parents, as they get older, they start to decline. We can see that in front of our older president. It is happening in front of us. The most powerful person in the world is losing uh, when it comes to his memory, it, you can, you can see it happening. Um, the, the last thing that happened was, uh, just, just this week. Also, he was, um, being asked a question about title 42 and his lifting of that at the border, uh, dealing with the, um, with the immigration issue and the, he answered the question dealing with the mask mandates and the CDC. So even the questions that reporters are asking him, he's answering it with other things. So he's just very confused. It's sad to watch. Uh I know there's partisan politics involved here, no matter what side you're on, but this is sad. And all I can say is God bless America, because this is going to be something that we're going to have to take seriously here. And he he's announced that he's gonna he wants to run for office again. You know, he's in his 80s now and um there's no way that that this man can hold up to the rigors of this office and continue to to make sound decisions. Well, it's time for the segment that I like to call Mandate Freedom. And today, we've got good news, bad news, uh, great news for those of us who think the mass mandates should go away. It looks like finally, finally this week, we had a judge down in Florida basically put a ruling out that stopped the the mask mandate on traveling when it comes to airplanes and buses and that type, that type of travel. But of course the department of justice is going to appeal the ruling of the mass mandate. And uh, one of the things that the CDC says that it believes a mask mandate is within its legal authority. And I think most of us have lost uh, confidence in the CDC and it has become a political outlet of, of whatever party is in the white house. And that's, I, I could care less whether you're a Republican or Democrat, that's how the CDC is going to operate going forward. Uh, we do not believe a lot of the things now that the CDC tells us, we know that masks based on science has not prevented anything when it comes to COVID. Um, it is, it is, it is ridiculous to continue to think of that everywhere that we go, we can go to huge events with 100,000 people uh, at a concert or at a sporting event. Uh, we can go to an indoor basketball game that I attended recently not in Phoenix with 20 other thousand fans. But for some reason, when you go to the airport, they want you to mask up because that's the last piece of the controlling element that the federal government has. And the liberal side of, of the mask mandate issue, they do not want to release it. Uh, it is control. Go ahead and wear your mask if you feel comfortable. If, it makes, if it's like a, like a baby's blanket to you and you want to put that mask on your face, by all means, go at it. But for those families who struggle with children and keep a mask on their children, and for us who have other issues that we do not need to be wearing a mask, let's get on and over this. It is time. Two years into this thing, and we're still dealing with this stupid issue going to come a, it's going to be a political issue in the election. So again, I think this is a loser for the, for the president and his party, the Democrat, left side of the party. So the more they fight this, I think the better it will help out the uh, election cycle. So go at it, um, Force everybody to go back in mask and see how that works out for you. The time is coming to, a, to an end when we're going to see a massive movement in the political parties take place here. And the president is going to lose his authority quickly here this next year. So, I think it is a lose effort for him if he continues to try this. And the CDC basically they only extended this things for two two weeks anyway. So, they they should just they should have just let this die out. Uh, but they can't. They don't have the ability to. And I think that works to um, the advantage of those of us who think that uh, it's time for a change in Washington. So, this will probably help us. So one of the segments I like to have every week on the show is dealing with the second amendment. And there's two or three different uh, areas I want to talk about today, specifically dealing with some statistics I found, and I'm going to be referring to a website called TheDailySignal.com, And it is a conservative website, but they have some some great databases that you can go to and you can look at. Uh, One of the databases, for example, shows that in the past 90 days, How many incidents were uh, were involved with legal firearms to prevent crimes? And uh, throughout the United States, over the last ninety days, 145 uh, crimes were prevented. And then you can look at you can you can narrow this thing down, and you can you can go back as far as you want to when it comes to the data. But they also had a um, had had a great uh, great commentary dealing with the Second Amendment saved these gun owners' lives in April. You know to go through. And it shows you all through the month of April, legally, some of the situations that took place in people's homes, people's businesses, carjackings, and how the gun owners who had the legal right to protect themselves, used their handguns to protect their families from criminal events, uh, which could have harmed them uh, or killed them. So it's, but you don't see that kind of stuff on the news. Typically, you'll, you'll see that a gun killed somebody or the they'll label a weapon as oh the military style weapon was used and the weapon did something so they you you'll you'll see the side of the news basically that talks about all the weapons that are used in the gangs and the illegal stuff but you never hardly ever hear about a homeowner or somebody who legally used a, a weapon to protect themselves. So I like this information. And then one of the things they highlight, highlighted dealing with the second amendment is they, how important the second amendment is to women. And you know, I've, I've never really divided it between men and women and probably in today's world with uh, everything that's going on whether you're a man or a woman and you can't define, define a woman. Um, Maybe that's not a that's not a good thing for the data signal to do, but uh, they even went through uh, the last 10 incidents that involved women who legally had firearms that they had to use to protect themselves in situations. And uh, it's just amazing when you go through the database and read all the defensive gun issues that took place. Good information. Um, I'm a big proponent of the Second Amendment. The one dealing with women really caught my eye just because here in the in the months of June and July, I get to help out uh, with some training here at our our local range. We have a women on target class that basically was just pushed out on social media down here on the Kenai Peninsula, and within hours it was filled up. So it just shows you the interest that women have in in learning how to protect themselves, and I get to participate uh, in that. And it's one of the uh, uh, it's a great opportunity. And if you you haven't done that. Do a search for women on Target. They have great classes out there and training, and I'm part of that. And, and it's one of the things that uh, that I love doing over the last couple of years. As I wrap up the show today, I want to thank you for joining the Must Read Alaska show. Uh, again, I want to thank our sponsor, Charlie Pierce for Governor, and think about joining us on the Must Read Alaska website. Uh, if you haven't been there recently, you can get us on all the different social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, we're out there podcast. You can like the podcast and they're automatically download all the major players, you know, whether it's on Apple or Google, any of the other ones that you you think about, we're out there, the way we make this happen and how we keep the media on their toes in Alaska is we need your help. We need your donations to help us. That's how, that's how we can keep this going. And hopefully uh, you will join us again next week. Uh, I'll be back next Friday uh john quick and suzanne downing will be on during the week so have a great weekend get out enjoy the spring weather and i hope you have a great weekend god bless